Hey there, fellow parent entrepreneurs. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to join us here on The Kenza Pod. My name is Tiffany Jones. I'm the co-founder and CEO of The Kenza Collective, where we empower and educate parents who are making the transition from working for the man to working for themselves. Our goal is to help you create a life where you have autonomy, freedom, and the power to dictate how you spend your days, all based on your family's unique needs. So if you're ready to hand in your notice and experience the freedom that comes from working for yourself, or if you've already done it and are in the trenches trying to manage all the pieces, you're in the right place. Be sure to check out kenzacollective.com for all kinds of resources specifically geared toward the busy working parent. And thanks again for being here. Now let's get into the episode. Hello there and welcome to the Kenza pod. Today we are going to be talking about LinkedIn. Love it or hate it, it's important for us to understand this powerful tool and how we can leverage it as freelancers or consultants. So we have invited Andrea Gerson to the podcast. She is a senior career strategist and founder of Resume Scripter, which is her business, and we'll get into that in a little bit. She has nearly 15 years of experience working with professionals at all stages of their careers to find clarity, confidence, and a renewed sense of energy around telling their career stories. And I love that, career stories. We're going to dig into that. Um, As the founder of Resume Scripter, Andrea has worked with over 7,500 professionals. Many of them have won amazing roles at companies like Microsoft, Google, United Nations, and her insights have been featured in Fast Company, Girlboss, and Recruiter.com. Her superpower is helping people to develop a clear narrative about what they've accomplished and what they're capable of specifically those with work histories that have career transitions or caregiving gaps and self-employment, things like that. So you see why she's so perfect for us? So today we're going to be talking to her about how to craft a narrative specifically for our LinkedIn pages now that we're out on our own or thinking about going out on our own or in that transition space from uh, corporate to freelance. I know that I struggle with this as well, so I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit of like a selfish conversation. Kind of all the podcast episodes are. It's like, what do I want to learn? Okay, I'm going to go find that person and learn it. So we're really looking forward to a fun and insightful conversation. Welcome, Andrea. Thanks so much, Tiffany. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So before we get into all the tips and tools and tricks and all that kind of stuff, just tell us a little bit about you, your professional background and anything about your personal background that you want our audience to know about you. Sure, absolutely. So I'm primarily a professional resume writer and career counselor. Um, I'm also a social worker by training, and I'm most recently a workforce technology founder. So underlying all of these, what I mainly do is I help job seekers and workforce professionals to learn how to elevate past experience, weave it together into a narrative that makes sense to show a progression, and ultimately, you know, what I am doing is helping people to secure more fulfilling roles. On a a personal level, I had my first child right before the pandemic started, so he's almost Mm. two at this point. Um, I'm also Canadian, so I'm originally from Montreal. And in past lives, I had a lot of jobs. I was an ice cream truck driver, a professional pottery painter. I opened and ran my own cafe, and I did a vocational degree in cabinet making. Wow, what a cool background. And I love how, like, you told us so much in like a very short amount of time just now. So I can tell already that you're a great storyteller and 
you're definitely, it seems like, really working in your zone of genius, as they say. Oh, so you. congratulations on finding that and being so great. So again, before we move into too much of, of what we're going to get into, tell us about Resume Scripter. Absolutely. So I founded Resume Scripter in uh, 2011, initially as a side project. So I had been working as a career counselor at a nonprofit workforce development agency for three years, and I had gotten pretty good at writing resumes to the point where, you know, friends would ask me for help with their resumes and they would send their friends to me for help with their resumes. So I made a simple website and I started to get referrals and online reviews and it just grew. Uh, so I, I would often be managing like 20 or 30 clients at a time while juggling a full-time job and, you know, going for my master's in social work degree half-time. So by the time I finished grad school in 2014, Resume Scripter had evolved into my full-time job. What a great story. I love that. It's, um, it's always fun to hear when people start just kind of doing something on the side and then word of mouth and word of mouth and all of a sudden, boom, it's this actual business. I love that. Something I really liked about what you do and how you frame what you do is this idea of crafting a narrative. And then I love the second part of what you say, which is around what they've accomplished, what people have accomplished, and what they're capable of. That is such a really cool combination. And like on the other side of someone who has hired people before and has looked through LinkedIn's and profiles and resumes and all that kind of stuff, that would be really appealing to me if someone were to present something that said, here's everything I've done, cool, cool, cool. Here's what I'm really capable of and here's how it all flows together. So can you talk to us a little bit more about how our listeners can really start to craft that narrative for themselves and their own story, specifically people who have had a lot of experience, have a great network and are transitioning into working for themselves and some people are transitioning and doing what they, some version of what they've been doing, or maybe some people are transitioning and doing something totally different. So help us to understand where we can start to craft those narratives for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a great question. You know, the, a big thing that I see with people as they're starting to put themselves out there is that they, they think that they can only position themselves for things that they've already done. Or they think that when they're when they're marketing themselves, that they can only talk about the tasks that they performed. And you know, I think a lot of people forget that the materials that we're putting out there are marketing materials. So ultimately, we want our stuff that that talks about our experience to really tell a story, to evoke emotion, and to impress people with uh, with what we did. So you know, to, kind of going back to the you know the meat of the question is sort of like what. How can we do this better? And the question is, you know, for me, mindset to step away from, you know, what did I do? And instead to be thinking about, like, why did it matter? You know, why was it important? Who did it impact? What tangible improvements mm. did you help to bring about? And then most critically, we want to tie these things directly to the types of opportunities that, that you're targeting. So this last piece is super important. So let's let's think about an example here. Let's say that in a past job, someone was working, let's say someone was working in the nonprofit sector yeah, and great. they were kind of an all-around go-to person and administrator. Maybe they were involved in like, you know, tracking and securing donations or working with vendors or doing partnerships with other organizations or coordinating with software vendors. So now maybe this person's at a point where they've kind of mastered all of that and they want to strike out on their own and become a, a consultant. So 
the first thing that we would want to think about is what are they going to specialize in? So what are, what are the things that they do better than like 80% of other people? And what are the things that they, that they love doing? So maybe they're super interested in using technology to expand the impact of nonprofits. Those might be the elements that we would want to like hone in on and emphasize and go deeper on throughout their materials to like bring that narrative thread through. So, you know, when preparing when preparing their materials, we really want to think about like the elevation. I'm always thinking about this, the elevation that I want to be helping someone to achieve professionally. And so, you know, I, I like to be really strategic about the projects that I'm expanding on, the tasks that we're shining a spotlight on. You know, I really want to ultimately like focus the reader's attention on the parts of the person's history that are most relevant and impressive. I like that. And I think might maybe to add to that too, the things that are impressive that they're exactly. really good at yep. and also that they really enjoy doing. I think so one of the themes and maybe you can speak to this too is that we talk about a lot at Kenza is there's a lot of a lot a lot a lot of deep reprogramming that we have to do if we've been working for the man as we say for many many years and now we're working for ourselves and one of those reprogramming things is that you get to write your own job description you get to do the things that you want to be doing and you don't have to keep doing those things that you really hate doing or as some people would say I'm I'm reading um the big leap again for the second time. And so I'm using that, like, you know, not in their zone of genius or in their zone of incompetence. So you have an opportunity when you go out on your own and when you're going through these exercises to focus, yes, on what you're really good at, but also make sure that it's things that you want to continue to do because you don't have to keep doing those things you don't want to (laughs) do. It's funny that you say that. I once had a colleague frame it to me as, you know, that strengths are the things that we Mm. feel strengthened by. And, you know, it's such a simple way of describing it, but just that the emotional feeling of, you know, I am doing something that connects me with the strongest or most confident Mm -hmm. uh, part of myself, Um, that that's really, yeah, that's where we want to be. And, you know, so making sure that those are the things that are coming through whenever we're talking about what we're doing, you know, that that's where we want to put our emphasis. I love that. Awesome. So, okay, let's talk specifically about LinkedIn now. So do we have to be on LinkedIn? I'm just going to start there. Do we have to do it, Andrea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so it depends. It depends on the field that you're in and what your goals are for growth. So if you're in a field where you're working, let's say you're working with your own direct connections or you're relying on those connections for referrals, you might have enough work for yourself. So at this point in time, you might not really need it. But if you do any networking, you want to start to get referrals, or if you're hoping to grow at any point, you know, it's important to keep in mind that people are going to come and try to find you on LinkedIn to learn more about you. Uh, to get more information about your services. So it really is important to establish that credibility and the professionalism that comes with having a solid LinkedIn profile. Um, you know, I noticed when you when you asked that question, it sounded like you were like kind of resistant. And, <laughs> you know, I get that. I, I hear that a lot. And usually there's two like underlying reasons for that resistance. But I, the first that I've heard is, you know, I don't want my employer to see me on LinkedIn and to think that I'm jacked. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I hear that quite a bit. And what that equates with for me is, you know, I don't want like 
I don't want my spouse or partner to see me on Facebook and think that I'm trying to date around. You know, and <laughs> it's ridiculous because I love that. LinkedIn is really a place to meet other professionals, to connect and to network and, you know, to keep up with news and to really learn from other people in your field. You know, from my perspective, employers should want to see their employers, their employees on LinkedIn because it means that they're developing professionally and making connections and that they're active in their profession. Uh, so the, the job search component is really a small, small part of the platform. The other one that I see is that people, when, when people are coming to LinkedIn, especially, you know, people who are self-employed or who have had transition, they don't really know how to position themselves. So maybe they don't feel quite like established in their profession enough to have a solid profile, or maybe they're freelancing kind of separately from their day job and they're not sure how to like weave the two together. Those are both like valid concerns and, you know, they both could warrant some like individualized attention, but ultimately... What I would say is that it's really a great idea to start your profile well in advance of when you might need it so that you can start to build up your connections over time, get comfortable using it, get some engagement. Uh, it's not going to be an overnight process, but it it's, can be pretty fun, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, it's good to define, like, what do we mean by be on LinkedIn? And I think, you know, you probably agree with this, that the, at the very bare, bare minimum, keep your profile updated because like you said people are going like when when i've been reviewing job applicants and any of the past jobs i've had and even recently i google them it's just it's like the number one thing you do like i almost don't even like i'll look at their resume for sure but i want to see their linkedin because i'm just kind of curious what's there like you get an opportunity to list a lot more stuff on there than you would um, on a resume the other cool thing i like to look at is do we have any mutual connections that's always really interesting to me and it's been fun to see like super random like connections i'm like what how do you know that person i don't even know you, you know it's like that's a pretty cool feature of it so you know, I think at the bare minimum, that's something that's important. And then there's also the second step. And that's the one where I'm probably like, do we? Um, is, is the really being active, keeping up on there, posting on there. And I think when I was framing that, that's coming from my own place of like feeling overwhelmed at the, all the different platforms that are out there and all the different things we could be doing to network and, and build ourselves up. And you know, I think Instagram is a big place where a lot of us go. But like you said, LinkedIn is specifically networking for professionals, growing your professional presence and network. And that's just a totally different vibe than Instagram. Um, and so maybe before we move on from this question, is do you have any kind of tips on like, if someone, you know, let's say their profile's updated, they're good to go. If someone wants to just start kind of getting into the rhythm or the habit of being being on LinkedIn, I'm doing air quotes, um, what, what does that look like? What do you think people should be, what kind of goals should people have for themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for, first of all, getting familiar with it. So, you know, figuring out how to search, you know, you can search people, you can search posts, you can search groups. So getting a feel for like where the value is going to be for you. Okay, so for me, for instance, um, I... You know, I'm a professional resume writer and career counselor, but I also have this workforce uh, technology tool that I launched. So I use LinkedIn mainly for connecting with like workforce organization leaders. So that's, you know, so when I'm on there, I'm trying to find where are those people, um, wh what are they posting, what are they sharing, I'm commenting to kind of start to develop a relationship with them to, you know, be on their radar 
So, you know, thinking about for, for you, you know, for each person, depending on what the specialization is, um, it's going to be a little bit different, you know, to try to do some hunting and, and find that value, find the best avenues to like locate and connect with, um, you know, the people and the opportunities. You know, you mentioned Instagram and that makes a lot of sense that that's that could be where your, you know, where your time is best spent. If you're trying to engage with like individuals more, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to reach, let's say, women or, or you know, younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it makes sense that that would be a good channel to be on their radar. I think for people who are more looking for like organizational clients and businesses, uh, LinkedIn is, is a really great resource. Yeah. And just to tack on to that, I think something to keep in mind too is, this is again, another theme we talk about is making it easy for your clients or potential client to take a next step with you. So making their lives easier. So one way you make people's lives easier is being top of mind to them when they think of the need that they have. So it could be a long game on LinkedIn for you, you know, or you could come in at right, the perfect timing for someone where you as Angie are going on there and you're liking something or you comment on something and then months down the road, that person is now out there looking for a job or they're ready for a transition. They're like, God, I have no idea. Like, how do I even write my resume? Oh yeah. Like, who is that person, Andrea, who, who she does something with resumes? I'm going to go look that up. And it's like just that brand recognition being top of mind for people is so important. And I think that that is what LinkedIn can do for you is you're making it easy for people to remember and think of you in the moment that they need you. <laughs> it's funny that, that you say that. I had like a, I had a mentor a while back who liked to, he would often say that like your brand is the space that you're renting in people's brains. I like to think about marketing that way that like, it's not like setting off fireworks. You're not going to do one thing and all of a sudden, you know, it's planting seeds. And so every, you know, engagement, every connection, you know, every article that you post, that's you're planting seeds Mm -hmm. um, so that people will think of you exactly like when that time of need comes. If you're looking for a community of like-minded parents who know that there is a better way to integrate career and family, I invite you to join our free Slack workspace. Now listen, I know that none of us have time to keep up with yet another platform, or YAP as some people may say, and the good news is that our Slack just isn't like that. It's organized into very specific topics and it should serve as a resource for you to get real-time feedback and answers to your specific questions. We also have a jobs channel where you can keep an eye out for great freelancing and consulting gigs that we come across or that we're specifically hiring for here at Kenza. To join us, head to kenzacollective.com slack. It's free and it's easy. I hope to see you in there. Okay, so let's talk about the actual profile itself. We're wanting to go in, let's maybe think of someone who is, you know, transitioning, they've maybe they've quit their job or they're about to, or they've given notice, whatever, or they're like really getting into their freelance consulting career. Um, what are some practical steps we can take at that moment in time to get our profiles kind of cleaned up and ready for prospective clients to be looking at? Well, the first step is to really think clearly and quickly summarize the most important elements of your background that are gonna resonate with the specific target customer or project or collaborator that you want to attract on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So that might be very different you know, than um, what you're summarizing, what you're shining that, spot, that spotlight on in other social media channels or 
you know, potentially even on your resume, you might have an old resume that will maybe look very different than LinkedIn because you're going to use LinkedIn as a tool to, you know, engage a certain kind of, you know, opportunity. And the first step is to really hone in on what is that clear, concise elements of your background that are going to most resonate. And that's what you're going to kind of weave through the profile. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, especially probably listening here, have had like a progression you know, throughout their career where it might not always feel like a natural progression. You know, maybe they've worked in a couple of different fields or they might have quite a bit of experience that doesn't feel quite relevant or impressive. But the goal is to show an impressive, elevated progression. Okay, so when you're writing about your older experience, um, you want it to look relevant and impressive, even if it might not feel impressive. Putting yourself out there as a consultant or as a freelancer, you don't want to make it look like you're switching. You're wanting to make it look like it's a natural progression, like it's a natural step up. So it's really important, you know, on LinkedIn and in all your materials to use strong active language. So try to avoid using words like helped or supported or assisted. Even when you're describing earlier experience that might not feel quite relevant, you still want to be taking ownership and elevating it okay? so that, so that you're, you're building on things. You really want to practice taking ownership and tying those earlier responsibilities and accomplishments to your current goals. One way to do this, to elevate earlier experience, is to bring in metrics. Uh, numbers, you know, numbers can really elevate simple experience to make it look impressive. You know, when I'm thinking about numbers, I think about the context and the scope and the outcome of the work that someone was involved in. So usually in those three areas, there's always a place to bring numbers in to show, you know, to show the, the ways that something was impressive or impactful. Lastly, on LinkedIn, you know, you can infuse your personality, absolutely, but not at the expense of bringing in those clear, the goals and the, and the metrics. I think a lot of people, they go too far on the conversational end of the spectrum on LinkedIn. And, you know, the readers end up not really being able to tease apart, okay, what is it that this person actually is really great at? You know, what's the value that they bring? So if you're wanting to engage opportunities and, you know, jobs or projects on LinkedIn, that is an important piece. You're not just networking to connect with people. You're wanting them to come away with, like, what are you great at? From my experience on LinkedIn, more established leaders who already have like a strong following, they can usually get away with having more personality infused in their profile. Mm. But if you're just starting out on your own, I usually suggest erring on the side of like, you know, bringing in more metrics and more proof of what you bring uh, rather than relying too much on like soft skills and personality, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And I have several kind of follow-up questions. So when you're talking about all of that, like what is, talk to us about the difference between that description and summary place at the top versus the bullet points that go under each job. So what, I mean, it sounds like the metrics, unless it's something like really stellar or whatever should go kind of in the context of a job, but tell us about like that summary place and what specifically we should be focusing on in that area. So the summary is probably the place where if you were going to bring in some of your personality or like your values, that's a good place to bring that in. Um, like potentially to start with like one or two sentences about you um, as a professional person, you know, like how you got to be where you are, what your evolution has been, and then going into some of the overarching highlights that you've helped to accomplish. 
So that's where, you know, you can definitely bring some numbers in here or some, you know, industry, like sectors, company names, mm. keywords, you know, depending on what what your background is, um, trying to like weave it all to make a really cohesive, clear summary, sort of like, here's where I am and here's how I got here and here's kind of what, the, what I've accomplished along the way. Um, I've recently started to shift to like a few bullets in the summary section. So rather than having big paragraphs, I'll usually start with like one or two little paragraphs and then like here are a few highlights, you know, here are a few of my, uh, here are a few highlights and then, you know, short bulleted sentences of like, in this context, I, you know, did this, I achieved this. You know, so, so ideally each of those would have some sort of a metric or, a, or an improvement. Overall on LinkedIn, the tone should be like more conversational than the resume. So, you know, definitely in first person, and not using super formal language, but still bearing in mind that it's a professional context and you want to make a professional impression. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think too, you know, there's definitely a balance and I've, I'm finding this as I'm like looking and hiring different people. There's a balance of talking about like your accomplishments, but then also making sure that like you were saying earlier, that it's resonating and speaking to your target audience. So like, I, as when I'm looking at things, you know, a resume or some sort of pitch or a scope or a proposal or something like that, I find that people who are, I can tell they're early on in what they're doing or early on in their career because I feel like the first paragraph or two of whatever they're proposing to me is all about, it feels like they're just trying to prove themselves to me that they're going to be like good enough instead of saying, like somehow succinctly showing that, like demonstrating that, but then quickly getting into how they plan to help me. Like I, I care. It's not that I don't care about someone's background or how much experience they have or anything like that, but I care about how they're taking their background and they're then going to apply it to help me as the, as, or our company or whatever. So I think that that's like, it's a mistake. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's a, it's an issue I see kind of again and again is people talking too much about themselves and not enough about how themselves are going to help this other person. What do you think about that? I think that's that's exactly why like bringing concrete examples that are going to resonate. That's a really effective strategy, like in all of someone's materials. You know, I think that as clear as you can be about like your target opportunity, you know, that's you know, I think that's really the first step deciding okay, if I'm going to be on LinkedIn, what am I going to use it for? Um, if I'm going to be active on LinkedIn, or if I'm going to have like a few versions of my resume, what are each of them going to be for? Because that way you can bring in those wins, those success examples that are going to very cleanly resonate uh, with, you know, whoever you're trying to attract and impress. Yes. I love that. So one question, I, this is a funny question and I, I'll tell you the example of uh, what are some of the things that we should not be putting in our profiles? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I don't remember who it was. It was a friend of mine like a while ago and I was looking at their LinkedIn to give them feedback. This is like a long time ago. And at that point they were like, you know, pretty, they're like 30, they're in their career or whatever. Um, and they have different jobs listed out like professional type of jobs, but then like down at the bottom, there were two like really silly, like, a um, like a barista at Starbucks job had been listed. And then like a, like a bar back job, something that was just like, clearly you could tell it was in the years of college and like, 
they, we kind of went back and forth and the person was like, well, you know, I want to show that I started working and da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, but it's kind of weird to be like, oh, you've done this, this, this. And then like, oh, Starbucks barista, you know, it's just like random. So I'm curious, like, should they leave those in? Should they take them out? Like, what do you do with those years? <laughs> it's not, uh, all this stuff, it's not a science, it's an art, you know? So there's not really like a black or white, you know, don't, don't go back beyond X years of experience. Really, I, I would say that the rule of thumb is like keeping in mind someone's attention span, you know? You know, the resume, we usually say like one or two pages, whatever the limit is, don't go beyond that or don't go beyond, you know, 10 or 15 years, whatever. Okay. It really is a case by case. Um, and especially with LinkedIn, there's no hard stop. You know, you could just keep scrolling indefinitely. But keep in mind <laughs> that like you want someone to you don't want to overwhelm them with information. You want to give them just what's relevant, what's going to be like, you know, meet to provoke a conversation, you know, through email or in an interview or whatever. So. You know, there's that piece. And then there's also the piece of, like, if you're going to include a job on there that might not be super relevant, the only reason why you'd want to do that is to connect with other people who worked there or for other people who you might have been connected to to find you. You know, they might come in there and they'll say, oh, do you know any of these past colleagues? So that could be a reason. Let's say you went to a high school that was really close-knit, and that might be a way where you want to connect with people. Normally, I would say don't include high school on LinkedIn. But there might be a special case where someone went to a really unique or progressive high school and that could be a way that, you know, past contacts would find them. So I think for each person to kind of weigh those, weigh those elements. Yeah, I think, too, a, an exercise that maybe people could go through is um, like looking at try. It's hard, but look at your profile as if you are your ideal client, like try to embody who is your ideal client? What are they feeling? What are they going through? What do they need? Why are they looking at your profile and look through it and say, if I were my ideal client reading this, would I want to talk to me? Would I want to hire me? Would I be overwhelmed? Cause there's like five different jobs listed here that I'm like, okay, like, why are these on here? I'm confused and I'm reading more and really, I just want to get in touch with you, but now I'm kind of thrown off, you know, like, what do you, what would you might feel? And I always encourage people to do that because uh, even on like websites or your social or whatever it is, like try to pretend you're your ideal audience. Like, would this connect with you? Or is this all about you and not enough about them and how you're going to help them? Yeah, it's really hard to do this kind of stuff without a sounding board. <laughs> yeah. And I think even yeah. like finding, you know, if you have a friend or family member who is, you know, close to uh, the sort of demographic of your ideal customer collaborator, whatever it is, having them look at your stuff could be really valuable. I always, yeah, getting a second set of eyes is really important with this kind of stuff because you are, you're putting yourself out there and with writing, we don't always, sometimes we're in a weird mindset where we write weird stuff and don't realize it. <laughs> I totally connect to that. That's so funny. <laughs> you go back and read it and you're like, oh God, what was I, how long has this been up here? What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, it happens to me all the time. Gotta go back That's and so proofread funny. before I put it out there. That, that reminds me of one time I worked at a creative agency and like every couple of years, like year or two, the, the owner went through a thing where he, we wanted to do all new photos and he wanted to redo the website and just like freshen everything up. 
And one year he did that and like he turned the whole website into like all black and white photos and it was like super emo and this totally different vibe than like what we've ever done. And we like looked back at it a couple months later and we're like, oh God, what were, who let him do that? What were we thinking? Like, and it turns out it was just like cold winter and he was in a super weird emo mood for like a couple of months. And so like the whole brand shifted with that. (laughs) We very quickly revamped it. That's really scary that that kind of thing could happen even when there's like a team underneath the person, you know. I'm Yeah, because you're just like, well, maybe they have a vision. I guess they're going with it. We'll just trust it. (laughs) Okay, so are there any other things that you like that you think just maybe shouldn't is too strong of a word, but just that you're like, "Eh, maybe think about that critically and make sure that that needs to be in there and maybe take it out. You know, I think just like reading over with that eye of professionalism, you know, kind of really keeping in mind that this is where we want, you know, you're wanting to put your mo- your most professional and relatable self forward. You know, what one thing that I do sometimes think is a good idea is testimonials in the content. If someone doesn't have a lot of experience or accomplishments to tie into, let's say a consulting or freelance role, um, aside from the separate recommendations section, I have seen this done pretty effectively where, you know, to bring in an actual quoted testimonial and then a short description of the project. I think that can add some credibility. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. In terms of not including, you know, really, really, I think the question is more like where to put things because LinkedIn has so many different sections and stuff. So sometimes if, you know, if someone has projects, for instance, you know, figuring out the best way to frame those, either like as a job or as a separate thing or sometimes duplicating it so it shows up twice can work. Yeah, there's a couple of good things in there. I'm glad you brought up testimonials. Um One of the things that I, so we have a course called You Can Do This, it's, and it's just kind of like, it's the eight steps that you need to take in order to kind of launch this thing that you're trying to do. And um, one of the things that I talk about in there is about LinkedIn in the context of the importance of like your online presence and making sure that when people Google you from a professional standpoint, they're finding what you want them to find as much as what's in your control. And that if they go to your website, they go to your LinkedIn, they go to your Instagram or whatever, however you're publicly out there, it's all really cohesive and and pulled together because that's oftentimes the first impression they're going to get of you, right? Anyway, I digress. So one of the things I talk about for LinkedIn specifically is those recommendations and how important those are when people are kind of scrolling through your profile. I always go read those about people. I'm just curious. And what I challenge people to do is go find 10 or 15 people that they've worked with in the past. Could be a boss, a mentor, a colleague, anybody they've worked with in a professional, a client, you know, and go on their page unprompted and write them a recommendation and write them, you know, do a little testimonial about why it was so great to work with them, some of their specific skills, what they accomplished, whatever. And just send it. And then you can follow up with them and say, hey, um, you know, I wrote this thing for you. I hope you appreciate it or, I, you know, I hope that you enjoy it, whatever, blah, blah. If you want me to edit it, no worries. If you have a moment, I would love it if you could write a recommendation for me. No pressure, whatever. And most of the time, people are going to do that, especially if they're on LinkedIn and they're active, you know, and you guys have a great relationship. They'll do that for you. And I always encourage people to not... Be afraid to follow up even if you send that, you know, in a week or two, if they haven't responded, say, hey, just want to make sure you saw this, like, hope all is well, blah, blah, blah. 
um, because things get lost and, you know, not, people don't check LinkedIn all that much and, and to not take it personally. Don't, don't just assume like, oh, they haven't gotten back to me. They don't want to write me a recommendation. It's like, no, it, they probably just haven't seen it or they forgot about it. Just give a little nudge. Um, and it's a great way to build up those recommendations because what's cool is then you can take that and you can apply it to your website as well or use it on social or whatever. So these can get a lot of traction. So that's one little thing that I try and share with people to try and do on LinkedIn to bolster that. The other thing that I always, and I'm curious what you think about this, is I, I always like to look at like extracurricular things that people put on there, like their volunteer work or clubs they're in or things they're commenting on. I like that that brings a little bit of humanity, like, oh, this person like volunteers at the homeless shelter. Like, that's really cool. Or they're on the board of this organization. That's that's great. You know, bringing that like, yeah, it's professional, professional, but like I'm also a human and I have interests and other things that I do. What do you, is there anything else you might add to that bottom section there that's on LinkedIn? I love all the sections that LinkedIn has because it really gives us a solid structure to professionalize our like hobbies and interests. You know, I think like on the resume, you know, people sometimes fall back on like a hobbies or interests section. And I, I really don't like those sections (laughs) because really it's a perfect, it's, it's your professional self that you're putting out there. But on LinkedIn, you know, I, I feel like the, the structure of it, it really encourages people to do that automatically. So, you know, if you are into like photography, Rather than the lazy solution, which would be on a resume, like I'm interested in, you know, nature photography or, you know, photography or whatever, LinkedIn would force you to put that into a project framework, which is really the better way to do it, to talk about projects that have involved photography or maybe volunteer work where you volunteered as a photographer. You know, that's a much uh, more effective way to, in, to add those interests and hobbies in and to get them on people's radar. It just makes it look more credible and interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. I'm not sure that I'm familiar with the projects tab or I don't know what you call it, section of LinkedIn. Is that, is that fairly new or am I just, I just don't know about it? Well, I know that there are a lot of different, there's like courses and there's volunteer work. Mm, okay. Yeah, there are a lot of, lots of different sections and stuff that you can pull from. Cool. Okay, I'll have to go check that out. I have my homework cut out for me then. Okay, so as we start to sort of wrap up here, do you, are there any other sort of first steps or practical kind of next steps for people as they, you know, I'm sure a lot of wheels are turning and everybody's thinking, all right, all right, it's time for me to go make sure this is updated, get it shined up, ready to go. Um, what, like, what would you say to those people who are thinking about that right now? So take it one step at a time and definitely don't berate yourself for not already having a super strong online presence. You know, try to set manageable, measurable goals. So that might mean, you know, writing one profile section at a time, you know, in a separate document, getting it all ready, getting someone's eyes on it. It might mean sending a certain number of emails out to, you know, people that you want to reconnect with or just gradually building connections up. You know, take it a small step at a time. Um, I found that it can be really hard to tackle challenges if you're coming from a place of, like, internal pressure or judgment or negativity. So really try to be okay with where you are and know that, like, it's a process and it's going to be fun. I think, you, you know, end up learning a lot about, you know, other people and making some interesting connections as a result. Yeah, I like that. So I know that for some of us, 
writing about ourselves and pulling out our strongest qualities and crafting that narrative and that storytelling of, you know, even for those of you out there who've maybe taken a break in work for a couple of years and how to handle that type of thing can be daunting for, for a lot of reasons. You know, sometimes it's hard to just get out of our own heads. So that's where people like Andrea come in and they can help lead you and guide you through this process to help you come up with something that feels really authentic to you. So Andrea, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, how they might engage with you um, and work together with you if this is something that they're wanting to move forward on with some professional guidance? Sure. Uh, Yeah, well, one place I'm really active is LinkedIn. (laughs) So if you want to come over to the dark side, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I'm kidding. Um, But also, Resume Scripter is my website, so that's a pretty easy one, ResumeScriptor.com. Those are, honestly, Resume Scripter and LinkedIn are probably the two places where I'm, like, most active and present. Okay, cool. We'll make sure to link that here in our show notes, of course, so people can reach out to you and uh, make sure to clean up your LinkedIn before you reach out to her, though. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Andrea, is there anything else that we didn't cover, anything else that you want to share with our audience before we hop off this this great conversation? You know, I think we covered a lot of ground. I feel like that, I think that covers it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really, really appreciate your time. And um, for those of you out in listener land, don't hesitate to get some professional help. This is the kind of thing where you could spend hours, days, months, whatever it is, beating yourself up for not having the perfect words or understanding how to do this. And sometimes it's really worth it just to pay someone to help you get through this part and be done with it. And, and the work that you might do together, you know, would extend over everything, your website, your social and everything, and just help you get really clear about how you're going to tell your own professional story. So again, that's resumescripture.com. And then we'll link to her um, LinkedIn profile, but Andrea Gerson is, is where you'll find her. Thank you again. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jeffy. This is really fun. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Kenza Collective to stay in touch. And if you have a moment, please drop a review for this podcast so that we can reach more parents and help them create a life and a living that actually works for their families. Have a great day. 